I don't think this work-life balance is really achievable. Uh, in at the same time, you have like seasons of different things that you balance out. So yes. there's moments where where you are going to actually spend much more time doing one project or with your family or with your family. And actually, that's that's when being working working together is very helpful. This is the Let's Grab Coffee podcast, and I'm your host, George Khalife. On this episode, I interview Sophie Luray, who's an entrepreneur, author, and experienced business facilitator. In 2003, Sophie co-founded Nasaba, a business information company specialized in supporting enterprise development in emerging markets. After building Nasaba for about 18 years, where Sophie served as CEO for 10 of those years, she then decided to create a new venture called Evelist. Evelist, headquartered in France, is a non-profit, independent organization with the aim of closing the gender gap in the workplace. And Scott was, uh, although he's not a Midwestern, he was raised and his best, yeah, like his best memories in life were in the U.S., were uh, in the Midwest, so um, in Nebraska. But uh, So we, we, we combined that and we decided to open the office in Chicago. I love that city. It's, there's, very, there's something very special in that city. It's true. It's it's very like when I moved here, it was very similar to Toronto, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, similarities in like the culture, even kind of the city yeah. vibes, right? Like the music, the theater, yeah. the food. I mean, the food is dangerous, to be honest with you, Sophie, but I'm, I'm managing quite well right now. Um, I'm and, and vegan, what, so Chicago is <laughs> vegan. vegan territory. <laughs> How long have you been a vegan for? That's Well, I've been on and off, but now seriously, since the, uh, since, uh, the beginning of the year. And I don't okay. think I'm, I'm turning back. If I can be vegan in France, I can be vegan anywhere. <laughs> vegan anywhere. <laughs> so that means no cheese too. That means that. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Especially being in yeah. France. Do, do you find that a bit difficult or like what? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is There's two things in France. If you can do them in France, you can do anything. It's being an entrepreneur in France <laughs> and being a vegan. Once you've done that, um, you're, you're good. You're set. You can do it anywhere else. No, I'm fine. I, I just don't think about cheese anymore. I just, I just you know, when I, 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 move, I, I pass in front of a, a cheese section, I just don't look at it. That's I guess, it. yeah, it's something you get used to. I did it for about six months, by the way, and it, it was more mm-hmm. for, like, health reasons. I had high uric acid, and uh, mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was manageable because the Middle Eastern cuisine is with a lot of lentils and rice yeah. and whatever. So it was mm-hmm. a bit easier. But I find it when you go out is, is what's difficult. You know, you go to like a steakhouse and you're like, oh shit, you know, cauliflower steak. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Steakhouse is not my friend. But I, I, have, I have been vegetarian for seven, eight years now. So I'm, I'm past the, you know, the, the, the meat thing. It, the, most difficult, the, the, the most difficult was fish and cheese. But now I'm, mm. I feel so good. Right. I feel so good that I, I don't see why I would, turn, I, I would turn back. I feel really, I mean, the energy level, the, you know, the sugar level, it's, it's wonderful. It's fantastic. Well, my, I'm glad to hear my, that. My head is very clear. Uh, no, it's, it's awesome. And talking about clarity, obviously, as an entrepreneur, you definitely need that. Um, and, and you have a, a long uh, sort of uh, experience journey in entrepreneurship. And for people who don't know, uh, we were talking about this before we started, but uh, our, our connection was through a company called Nasiba, which you co-founded with your husband, Scott. And I'm curious to know, obviously, like I want to delve into that first and then what your transition to now. But how was that experience like when you first co-founded Nasiba and what was the purpose back then? 
<laughs> the experience was amazing. I, we didn't, um, it's, it's funny because I, I hear a lot of, uh, of like awful, um, you know, scenarios of start, starting and it's so hard, bootstrapping and everything. Ours was, was smooth. And, uh, and it was exhilarating and we didn't, we didn't, we bootstrapped, of course, because we, we self-funded everything, but we did not feel the pain until quite, quite far away in the, in the journey, like four or five years in the journey. So, uh, we've, we have, we had a kind of a unique experience in that sense. Um, well, the mission was very simple. We were all, we were four co-founders. We were in that environment of, of you know, producing, selling and, and doing B2B events and bringing business together to do, to do, to do deals. And we just wanted to do it better. We, we had this, we had this naive, that, that naivety that every entrepreneur has, which is, okay, I, I know what I'm doing. I can do it so much better than where I'm, 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 you know, where I'm standing right now. And we wanted to as well operate in emerging markets. Um, we were co four co-founders, Europeans, Americans, and all of us had experience in, in Asia, in the Middle East, and we really wanted to take that experience experience and combine it with B2B, uh, with deal facilitation. So that's how Nasiba started. And um, it started out of a proverbial cave, really, out of a basement. And we built it um, to something that was, that was awesome without really realizing what we were doing. We had no business plan. I mean, we, we did it completely the wrong way, that you, you know, the way at least you learn it in, uh, in business school. But it, that's, that's, probably the naivete and the, all the, the, the iteration that made it so successful in the first place. Um, then, you know, the, 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 the life went on and, and we finally touched, you know, hit some, some really rock bottom situations, but uh, the, the startup phase was just, just uh, flowing. And it, it's, it's interesting because I am starting up something new now and I realized there's, there's a lot of similarities is when you try to make things work, but they're not, you're not in the flow. It's not, it's not right. The doors are not opening the, the, the way they should be. Everything is hard. Uh, fundraising is hard. Finding the right co-founders is, is, is hard. Finding the, the business model is hard. Everything is hard. When you're in the flow, when it's, um, it's, it, you're in the right place, you're, you're, doing the right, you, you, you're following the right path and the right um, idea about a business, everything flows. You find the right people, you find the right funding, everything just flows naturally. It's not, it's not easy, but it flows naturally. And I, I'm experiencing exactly the same thing right now as it was 15 years ago when, uh, when we started NASA. And, and what you're working on now is with EveList, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, I, by the way, I saw this site. It's a very cool, I, I, it's not the platform I expected when I first kind of went through the site. And so what was that transition? I mean, to go from oh, you're not, basically, you're not what's supposed that? to look at it. It's the beta. It's awful. It's, it's, it's like, okay. it's awful. We put it online. You know what? You know what we put it online? Because we want to be ashamed of it. <laughs> so the, the. It's a good way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, so just starting, starting yeah yeah kind yeah. of uh, going back in, into it um i guess i i'm um we've i found through nasaba uh i founded a platform called women in leadership economic forum 
10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was an event. It was initially just an event. And what, that, that was in the Middle East, right? For people who don't yeah, know? It was, okay. it was based out of Dubai and then, and then it grew in, in different cities around the world. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was basically an event and it was a networking event for women that are in the business world to help them you know, connect with one another. And it kind of outgrew what I was even imagining because I realized there was, there was so much need because there were so many women in the same situation than me that didn't have any, at the time, any platform to really network and do business together. So it grew bigger and bigger. And, uh, and I ended up realizing that actually, because I was an entrepreneur almost all my life, I never saw that, you know, that, that proverbial gender gap. I didn't, I didn't feel it. I didn't sense it. But then it was just in front of me. I could see it. So many women that were super talented that just dropped out of the corporate world because there was no space for them. The, the, the workspace was, not just, was just not made for, for their needs and to accommodate whatever uh, they, they, they had because they have, they have, unfortunately, as much as we don't want to see it, they have other roles in, in, uh, in their mm-hmm. life than just the corporate, uh, the, their professional roles. So the event grew, but I always had this, um, this frustration of not taking it to a next level, of having these two days, fantastic, amazing stories, inspiration, blah, 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 blah. But then what? Uh, and um, last year, to make the long story really short, uh, Naseba took a turn that I was not expecting. We went through a lot of, of, of stuff. And uh, I, it, it gave me really a lot of time to reflect on what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and I said, this is actually what I want to do. I, I've been speaking for 10 years about closing the gender gap. I've been trying to do my little piece of the puzzle, but it's not really impacting that much. I'm going to focus only on that. And that's where Eve comes, uh, comes in, uh, in, uh, in place is that it's been a, a, about a year, a year and a half that I have this idea of how can I practically support closing the gender gap in the workplace. And um, this summer, um, the flow came in. I, we, I, I, I meet somebody, I meet another person, I discuss with a, a, you know, a, a, few, a few companies and it all clicks together. And we are uh, right now in the process of establishing a basically a list of organizations around the world and we're very ambitious and scoring those organizations uh, with regards to their practices when it comes to gender equality and gender parity in the workplace. Um, so that's, that's, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> and wow. uh, hopefully uh, it will create momentum enough and, 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 uh, and a, a desire for transparency enough that organization really come in and, and pitch in and, and want to be part of the platform. And, uh, and we give an opportunity to, to women all over the world when they're looking for a, a job or when they're looking to grow in their career to, to find out what the, those companies are doing and to, uh, and to connect with those companies to, uh, to, to find jobs, to uh, find mentors, to, uh, to find sponsors and so on and so forth. I mean, there's going to be a lot of phases to that. Iterations. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it's funny when you say like, you, you know, you shouldn't have seen the beta, but um, I remember Reed Hoffman always talks about like, if you're not embarrassed by your first version, you launch too late, right? It's kind of that <laughs> quote, <laughs> which is very true and hilarious. Um, I, I love the focus though, right? Because it's, and I was going to ask like, is this only for uh, women in leadership or is it kind of all levels of, of women and organizations? It's just, all, just to be clear. all women in all level of, of the organization where, gotcha. uh, because, because we believe that the, I mean, you start, you start the pipeline from the get go. There's, mm -hmm. there's different methodology to, uh, to, to go after for, for companies. Some companies recruit only in senior position because they have that gap at that moment. But most companies start from the get go and they train and, 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 and lift up their, uh, their talent throughout. Right. But all the time you see the same thing at mid management, mm -hmm. everyone disappears. Everyone falls gone. off. They're gone. Yeah, they fall off, and they fall off most of the time to go to. And it's great for entrepreneurship, uh, but but there's space in the in in the corporate world for talent for strong talented women, and it's good for everybody. And 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 I, I, we're not planning on uh, on being all educational on the on the the importance of gender equality in the workplace because I think now it's a given. Most organizations understand that it's not it's no longer uh, this type of militancy that you you need to really uh, push yeah push yeah, yeah it's yeah. the it's the it's the how do how to do it that the is practicality the practicality of it yeah, yeah. We, we you know we, we it's funny because I, I faced something similar back in university uh you know we had this kind of investment fund so my background mm -hmm. was in finance and as you can imagine finance was predominantly male driven right unfortunately yeah. And within our investment fund, uh, within university, we were basically looking at how do you tackle this 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 kind of challenge right now, where we want to get more women into finance, let alone the investment fund that we're putting together. And we kept brainstorming, and once I had left, you know, kept kind of brainstorming this this position. And I think what we all came uh, to to consensus in is that it actually starts in high school. Once you get to university, it's almost too too, too unfortunately too late to change that thinking. You know, unless you, you had a different socialization or environment or upbringing, whatever. But you have to really motivate uh, students in high school to open or broaden that, that mindset. So it kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. It, it actually starts in kindergarten. It, yeah. it, starts with, it starts with what you play with. It starts with uh, allowing your, your, your daughter to fall in the, in the pool or to fall on, from a bike. It starts with risk. It starts with everything. I mean, it's, it's all, you know little Connected. bits of the puzzle but uh, it's as well it's often an excuse in the corporate world to say ah we cannot do much about it because it's first the the you know the school system should do something about it so that's why we we it's pushing off that excuse yeah exactly and that's why we decided to to work on one segment which is the one we know very well which is the workplace and mm -hmm. The workplace needs to be changed, needs to, uh, to, especially now with what's going on and the, the post-coronavirus. Uh, I am absolutely, absolutely fundamentally convinced that, that people will no longer want to do what they were doing the same way they were doing it. Nobody knows how it's going to look like, but one thing for sure is that we're not going back to what it used to be. And, and one of the, the, the dysfunctionalities of the workplace is, is, is this, this ridiculous gap that doesn't close, by the way. It's, it, every year it's worse. 
uh, it's it's and and this is how I, I decided to make it a really a focus of my life because every year when I was preparing the the opening speech of Will, I would uh, I would look at the World Economic Forum report, and it's getting worse every year, and it's it's kind of embarrassing, you know, when you're. <laughs> Sure. You say, oh, this year it's 99.5 years. So it's five years more than last year when everyone is talking about gender equality. <laughs> What's wrong with that picture? Yeah. Like, like where, where, where are people going wrong, essentially, within that? Yeah. Do, yeah. do you think, like, talking about, you know, the, going back to kindergarten and kind of tracing that lineage, for you, it almost seems like talking to you and hearing you speak and stuff, like you have that innate leadership style, right? So it's not kind of foreign. I think. And so, so maybe the question to you is like, did this kind of come natural to you? And if so, what was that upbringing like, which helped you navigate this, this world a bit, maybe more easily than, than other people in the environment? That's a good question. Um, well, I'm not sure I would have been able to navigate a corporate environment. I'm a mm. typical, typical entrepreneur. Okay. Typical. Uh, I, I actually started in, in, um, academia and I couldn't handle academia because it was too rigid. Rigid. The, the, yeah. Yes. It was, I love to research, but the rigidity just, just killed me. Um, so leadership, I have no idea. I have no idea. I think, I think it's, uh, like, did you have I, role I, models, mentor, like how did well, that? I, I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I had mentors, mentors, not really in the sense of n nowadays mentorship, but I had yeah. people that I, look up, I looked up to. Was it Biggie um, Smalls? Is that <laughs> <laughs> for, for people yeah. who can't see? Yes. Who, who's the guy next to him, though? Jack Chirac. Oh, that's okay. I, I, I couldn't really tell, though. Like, <laughs> I love it. I love it. You have that's to a see dope like shirt. A, well, Biggie Smalls <laughs> is definitely a big source of inspiration, and, and it tells my age, right? Um, <laughs> it was what, all a dream. What a, what a what a waste of a talent, by the way. But anyway, it's true. Uh, too too young. Um, but yes, I, I come from a, a family with a lot of very strong women, mm. so I assume it I assume it played a it played a, a role. My great grandma traveled and lived in four or five different countries, and she would be like 120 years old now. So you imagine. Uh, my my grandma was very similar. My mom was a, an entrepreneur, so I, I I come from that lineage of uh, of women that are you know in the in the business world. Um, but I, I didn't have a mentor as per se. No, no. Like a like a formal one. It's funny like you say that, one. and I'm thinking about kind of all the the women entrepreneurs I've had on the podcast before, uh, and and there there are so many patterns across what you say. So for instance, one of uh, one of those individuals who I had on is the CEO of a tech startup in Toronto, who I think they just closed their series A of like five mil. So she's, she's doing quite well in entrepreneurship. And I asked her this exact question and she said the exact same thing to me. She's like, George, listen, my mom, my grandma were all entrepreneurs. Uh, yeah. In fact, her grandma was, I think she had the, the license to the PepsiCo for Quebec. So she was basically like leading that whole yeah. PepsiCo business uh, across Quebec. So she's like, that's who I looked up to. So it's funny from a practicality, it seems to me that the more women get involved in entrepreneurship and kind of pave the way, the better this will be, apart from the theories and the speed, you know, the preaching of this. Yeah, you know. of course. It, it's, a, it's, slightly, it's a slightly different journey than a, than a man, I think, because you don't, um, you don't have that many role models around you, at least for my generation. 
uh, we didn't have, I didn't have that many women around in, in the business world to, uh, to really go to, and they were super busy anyway, building their own empires. So it wasn't, it wasn't, and it wasn't articulated in a way where you had a networking events or, or mentorship clubs like it exists now. Uh, we also don't, don't socialize very, we still don't socialize the same way than guys. So uh, a man will typically find other businessmen to to be mentored or to uh, or at least to to kind of you know bounce back ideas at happy hours or right. I don't know squash. It's a little bit it's a little bit stereotypical, but it's still true. It's, true. it's still yeah. there's there's still truth to it, and there's more role models available. It's true. So uh, in in my case, it was one of my my mentor was Scott. Actually, was my my husband. Um, who's a beast a- by the way like <laughs> uh, man I remember I was just telling my girlfriend about this like I would watch his YouTube videos about him doing a, the triathlons and that's essentially who I wanted like I'm like when I if I'm ever CEO this is kind of what I would be like you know and, and he had these like monthly prizes of like tag hewers or if you do something crazy like one of the employees went skydiving because yeah. their biggest fear was was heights yeah. I just loved that mentality I mean it was it was crazy like rough but I loved but- it because I resonate with it a lot so yeah. anyways, it didn't, it, it didn't uh, please everybody to that challenge. We had to stop because we realized we couldn't, we couldn't get the momentum. And, um, and we realized that the, the issue behind it is that is, is vision of challenge is so, is so, so on, a different, yeah, yeah. So on a different level that nobody would apply because, you know, I don't know, uh, learning how to run a 10K, they felt, they felt almost intimidated to say, oh, Meanwhile, he was running like that. a 250. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to kind of change the, the whole narrative because we realized it was actually intimidating to, uh, to most people. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun though. How did you um, balance yeah. that? How did you balance that? I'm, I'm, I, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you actually. Well, twofold. Like you're, you're basically not only co-founding, but you ran a successful business for a period of time, especially you took it public for people who don't know, I think on NASDAQ mm-hmm. uh, in the mm-hmm. early 2000s. Um, and, and you did this with your husband. You both have maybe similar personality. I don't know you that well, but you, you might have, you know, different personalities as well. So how do you one manage that with, with your husband? Because that's probably like a no-no in business, right? Don't you, you typically oh, hear no family, no cousins and no partners involved in business. So the the great part about it is that i i said to myself i will never do this again <laughs> and now i'm in business with my brother so nice nice so, you're breaking all the rules <laughs> yeah exactly well i break my own entrepreneur. Rules. you're an entrepreneur yeah. that's what it is yeah exactly um well i would not recommend it <laughs> yeah. but uh if i had to do it again i would do it again Nice. Um, so it's it's we worked together before we we got in business together. Uh, I started the business. He joined in. I want to say that um, he did not Amen. want to be an entrepreneur. He did not want. He, he didn't have any interest in being an entrepreneur. He had, he had desires in politics, right? I recall, like in university or yeah. He, no, he had his eyes on impacting people positively. That's all he okay. cares about. So. It, it wasn't necessarily business. He didn't really know how to do that, but every single time he, he took a project on, that was with that idea behind it. So when he was working in the corporate world, that was what he was doing. When we worked together, that was what he was doing, and, and so on and so forth. So uh, to come back to your question about 
doing business with your husband and how you handle it. Um, we, we are two absolute tigers. And it's funny because we, we have two kids and they're tigers as well. Uh, so, well, <clears throat> we managed. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't easy, but I, 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 like I said, I would do it again because I trust him implicitly. Mm. Um, because we had our areas of expertise. Uh, so you complemented each other essentially, right? Is that definitely? So, so what would you say your strengths were and his strengths were? Like what 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 was that puzzle piece for you? I'm more analytical than he is. He's a go getter. Okay. I'm a go-getter as well, but he's he's a go-getter on a on a, <laughs> on a different level than me. Different, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he never he doesn't take no for an answer. I mean, he's relentless, relentless. Like mm. he's an endurance person, so he will not let go of any anything. Uh, I'm much more uh, now. I'm, I'm I'm different, but I, I've learned a lot from him on, on that on that part, and I've I think he's learned from me this capacity to uh, to sometimes step back and 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 reflect before acting so mm. we have that balance uh, now we've decided to actually do our own things because i think it's time for us uh, he has other uh, other things on his heart i have i have this project that is really a strong 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 uh, desire on my it's heart. A purpose yeah it's really purpose yeah and uh, it's is he been, still in dubai or is he? Oh, no, no, no. He's he's, he's here. Interested. He's here. Yeah, we could find together. Like, well, like <laughs> well, make sure you do say Adam. Yeah. And it, it Anyways, does. go on. He's fasting. He's, so he's he's fasting. He's he's trying to see how long he can fast without you know dropping dead. Um, so he's like intermittent fasting or? No, no, no. Like like like. L- fast. Legit fast. Le- yeah, water. Just water. Basically. Well, I'm going to put this down now. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even drink. He will go on like five days, six days. And I, I, I look at him and I see no water around. I said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm trying. I'm experimenting dry fasting. Hmm, okay. How did you, did you guys ever like leave work out the door when you would get home? I know this is a bit more personal, but I feel like a lot of people really want to hear stuff like this because it's not usual that you have this scenario. So I'm wondering, like, how did you balance work life with personal life with you guys? <laughs> how how do how does any entrepreneur balance work life? There's no balance. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> imagine, imagine <laughs> when the two these two people are actually both entrepreneurs and they happen to be partners. Um, we did it. Uh, you, I, I, I don't think this work-life balance is really achievable. Uh, in at the same time, you have like seasons of seasons right. of, of of different things that you balance out. So yes. there's moments where where you are going to actually spend much more time doing one project or with your family or with your family. And actually, that's that's when being working. Working together is very helpful. For example, we would have uh, a rule that we would never be traveling at the same time. And that was okay. a much easier rule to do uh, because we were working for the same company. So when he would be out traveling, I would be with the kids and vice versa. Uh, I don't know if it, it, it would have been probably a bit more complicated if we both were pursuing very you know, driven and ambitious careers in different organizations. 
So in that sense, um, it was it was very useful. Uh, but leaving the business out 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 the door, no. I mean, we had that rule obviously, and and we broke it big time. Mm. And we had a time where uh, one of our daughters was was as well working with us. <laughs> so <laughs> getting the gist of entrepreneurship early yeah. on. Well, that's a cool thing too, right? Because she sees you both like just grinding it out, hustling it out. And she's probably wondering like, what the hell are you guys doing all day? What is your day-to-day life? I'll tell you a story. When she was, she's going to hate me for that, but uh, when when she was what, about 15 or 16, it's at the height of the financial crisis. And uh, I mean, it's just, it's just hell on Crazy. earth for us. <laughs> yes. And we had just uh, went public and it was a disaster. I mean, it was just a, a complete chaos. The, the board was a disaster. The, the, the investors were not at all on the same page than us. We had to shut down half of the operation. I mean, it was just a, a, an absolute chaos. And then, and then the financial crisis happens, right? So let's say, I mean, we were a little bit, pressurized and uh, the only thing we're doing is work and one day she comes back from from school and she says mom i i really think that you you need to you know you need to to relax a little bit and you need to go see your friends it looks like you don't have any friends the only thing you're doing is 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 working do you have any friends anymore And I said, one day you'll understand. <laughs> and so 10 years later, now she, ha- she runs her own business. When I tell that story, she's like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I, I never imagined what it was. And I said, no, but you, you made a very good point at the time. I, was, I, I got to a stage where I forgot I had friends. I forgot mm-hmm. I had a, a life, actually. And the only thing I was doing is, is that. And my identity was so interwoven into this business it, it became a, a creature that i mm. could not i could not control so she was actually right <laughs> so if i if i if i would uh, give any advice for an entrepreneur is really to untangle the the identity piece from the business and keep it really separate really, yeah yeah because because that's an issue as well and i'm sure a lot of people are going through that now especially with COVID. Yeah. And, and this is like, I know people don't like the term black swan for this purpose, but whatever, let's just call it that. It's an unexpected scenario that really hurt a lot of people in different ways. Some people benefited, some people got destroyed, right? And you have people in between. But for founders who's made, like, let's say this is, let's take an example. This is your first time starting a, a business. You did this two years ago, you raised a bit of money, and then this happened and everything just tanked it's so difficult as an entrepreneur to separate your personal identity with the performance of the business. Cause now you feel like your self-worth is diminishing based on yeah. what's happening. How did yeah. you create that separation? Oh, me, uh, completely by, uh, experiencing the pain. I didn't, I didn't have any separation. I had zero separation. I was so, uh, so, uh, attached essentially attached. It's like, it's incredible and uh, losing it, losing, uh, failing, uh, seeing that it's, it's, it's taken away from me and, 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 and really experiencing the pain of that um, was like um, mourning, really. It's like, it's, it's really, it, the experience was like mourning. Mourning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, no, that's a good word. I, I mean, it's I a strong word, but, 
but it's a good it, word. <laughs> but it is, it is. Yeah. And, uh, and it's only that experience that out of that experience that I can say, um, it's, it's extremely difficult because when you're an entrepreneur and when you create something, it's yours. It's it. And it's so saying separated from the get go is almost, it's, it's impossible, but find a way to build boundaries around it, around mm. you. Um, because when you, when you, when you go through, uh, through, uh, loss, it's, it's extremely difficult to, uh, to, uh, to overcome it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny. A lot of people are are going to experience that, but you have to go through it. You have to go through it to be able to build uh, the right boundaries and the round foundation for the second round. Because when you're an entrepreneur, you're always an entrepreneur. So you'll build a second business, a third business. If it, it, it doesn't matter. You keep, it's a cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny too, because we're talking about kind of stepping away when things don't go uh, well. I had on the co-founder of Netflix, Mark Randolph, and he was telling me about when he stepped away at the pinnacle of Netflix, just when like things were going amazing, you know, for the yeah. company after leading it for seven years, they had just gone public. And the question I asked him, I'm like, what, what was the, What was the first thing you did when Netflix went public? You know, and I was expecting like cigars, champagne, you know, all, all the stuff that you maybe would expect when, when you have a tremendous victory. And he's like completely the opposite. You know, I had my son, we were in New York. It was his first time there. We just went and got pizza. And in that moment, I just knew, I knew two things. I knew I was exactly where I wanted to be with my son. But I also knew that I was not the right CEO to move this to the next level. And that now was my time to step away because my real passion was the earlier stages of startups. And that mm-hmm. was difficult to, to come to uh, grasp with because this is also your baby. You know, you're, yeah. it's tough to step, step away, especially when you see it being successful. Yeah. So it, it's kind of interesting how that happens on both sides, I guess. Well, I wish I would have had that wisdom because it's, uh, it takes uh, humility and wisdom to say that. But it's very true. It's very true. It's funny. It's it's funny what you're saying because uh, when uh, when we uh, we we sat around the table with my co-founders for uh, Eve, mm-hmm. and the first thing we did is uh, put a, a little piece of paper around us and and call it the source of truth. It's a bit pretentious name, but but say what we want from that venture and what we don't want. And all of us, I think. All of us, we come from different backgrounds, but all of us had the same idea is that we, we're going to set it up. And if it, for some reason, becomes bigger than what we can handle, we are going to just gladly let it run by somebody. Who is, their job is to run businesses. We're, we're, our job is to, is to ideate, it's to create, it's to, you know, get it off the ground, but it's not necessarily to run it. Do you mm. see the, 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 the difference? difference. Yeah. And, and that's one of the boundaries we've set up right away. We love the, the idea of being four and working 24 hours seven and, 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 and the friction and the tension, but we don't necessarily, none of us like the idea of, of running and running in operations again. Mm. So, he was very wise and humble, but it's very difficult. I have gone through this. I have gone through the, the setup. I've gone through the, the, you know, the takeoff and the um, going public. We, we actually, we went for the champagne and cigar. 
<laughs> which is fine man that, that that's how i would envision it like you got to celebrate a little you know? oh we went all notorious big but like like crazy like there was no tomorrow champagne uh, splashing that's the way it should oh, be. everything <laughs> mm. it was a lot of fun but we uh we there was the, the the day after and you had to run this operation and you had to run this operation and i remember scott wrote a blog called welcome to the big boys we ended up with investors and 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 and, and people we did not want to deal with because all we wanted to do was run the business have fun and you know it we mm. loved the ride of setting up the business and growing it yeah but running it the, the journey you <laughs> yeah. you also so for people who don't know you you co-authored a book called game changers which yes. was again kind of centered around uh how women in the arab regions can kind of succeed in their own paths right and, and i'm wondering from that book if you were to give us like a like a highlight your most memorable highlight of writing a piece a page a chapter what would that be it was uh it, it's it's a book about encounters with with women right and uh, with women with arab women that have completely changed my uh, my personal perspective on feminism mm. so uh I come from the West. I studied uh, partly in the U.S., mm-hmm. and I had this this twisted idea of what feminism looked like. And I I had this you know it was it was militant activist, but but in a in a kind Aggressive. of in, yeah in your face type of way. Um, so I had this stereotype, and when I moved to the to the Arab world, I discovered a whole different way of being a feminist. Um, and I, 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 I encountered these incredibly incredible powerhouse women, but they were so feminine and so powerful at the same time and so poised. Elegant, and maybe. I, hmm? Elegant as well. Like I get, yeah, yeah, it's kind of a mix. It's yeah. a mix of, yeah, yeah. very yeah. much. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic mix. And, and that have that work-life balance kind of, of, ingrained in even the culture but that's not just women it's it's men and, and women in the arab culture there's this sense of moving very uh, very organically from uh, from personal relationship to business relationship from family to it's 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 very organic so anyway um it completely changed my way of seeing feminism and it really empowered me uh, I changed even the way I dressed, everything. I, I accepted finally to be, you know, much more feminine in my approach of, of uh, doing business. And uh, one of the most memorable uh, moments for the book was uh, an interview of um, the CEO of a, a very, very big investment house in Kuwait. Her name is Maha Halgunayim. Mm. Uh, global investment house and she built a, a multi-billion dollar uh, investment company um, she's a she comes from a very traditional Kuwaiti family she was a an asset manager or yeah in her 20s imagine she's she should be wow. I, I think she'd be in her 60s now uh, at a time where there was no women in uh, in, in area. yeah and she would and she yeah. would uh, go visit um, large families and and help them investing and she said along her journey she started seeing more and more women because she was in the room 
the father uh, or the chief of the family would bring his daughters to hear how they invest. And, and, and slowly but surely, she saw a whole generation of young, young women that, that started making deci financial decisions for the family as well. So she was a, an amazing woman. So that was one of the highlights of, uh, of, uh, of this book. Interesting. Yeah, it's funny how sometimes encounters make a make a ma massive change, right? Yeah. And it's 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 funny too because it's not a formal thing. It's not like she's you know presenting or this is what you should do. Just being in that in that uh, room with someone's presence can yeah. and, and you sometimes un underestimate how important that is. Yeah. You know, you just walk in and you don't really think that it's going to affect anyone. Yeah. And then forty yeah. years later, that that woman who was sitting in that room looking at you now becomes an asset manager, or whatever exactly. her position is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and and she told me she said they initially uh, they probably were in the room just so there was another woman in the room, <laughs> so she's not alone, you know, Pitching. doing business with with the, the the head of the family. So it might have been for the wrong reasons, but it kind of changed, you know, the 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 I guess the dynamics. Uh, very similarly. I don't know if you know her, but um, uh, she's in the book. Uh, a very good friend of mine who, uh, who is from Saudi, her, her name is Raha Moharak. She's, uh, she's a, an amazing girl. But she was the first uh, Saudi Arab girl, actually, to climb, to climb Everest and to, to do the seven summits around the mm -hmm. world. Um, she did that, and she started with Kilimanjaro, and she says it very openly for the absolute wrong reason. She did it so she doesn't get married. She did it because she was on like the 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 the, the edge of of being on the marriage scene, and she didn't mm. want to do that. So she she said, "Oh, I'm going to go climb Kilimanjaro." So she 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 figured, "Okay, this is going to take me another six months. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to one time." <laughs> And then she got into the thing, and then she said, "I was damaged good because I was I was doing all those those mountain climbing, and suddenly nobody wanted to marry me." <laughs> I was becoming a beast. Uh, yeah, that's funny. Wow, that's a strong sense of purpose too. Just like yeah. climb one of the highest mountains in the world, you're not gonna find me here, buddy. And maybe 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 if a guy chases you that far out, maybe he is worth it. You know, <laughs> so it's like exactly. a funny, it's exactly. a funny thing. Yeah. What, what would you say from everything that you've been through? And I know you, you've obviously shared some advice so far, but uh, kind of just to wrap this up, what would you, for, especially for female founders, because that's what we're talking about. And I, I kind of want to call this podcast like embracing your femininity while mm -hmm. succeeding in entrepreneurship. So yeah. what advice would you give for someone in their 20s or 30s looking to get started uh, with, a, with a new venture? Go for it. Hmm. If, you, if you... If you uh, go for it for the right reason, if, go for it if you really have this, this itch and this strong, 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 strong desire to do a thing on your own. If it is because uh, you think it's easier or because you think it's going to be, you know, you, 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 you kind of like the idea of of the hustle and all of that i'm i'm very i'm very concerned by that type of motivation most of the time because it doesn't stand the the, the length and the and the the, the 
the That's difficult the hardship that you have to go through. Mm. Um, if you, if your desire and your 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 idea of what you want to do is strong, so strong that you can you can you know pass that, then do it. Just do it. Uh, and it, th there's another thing as well is that I think that, but this is going to change. I, I personally think there's there's been a, a whole generation of uh, entrepreneurs that have looked at entrepreneurship through um, fundraising and not self-funding their their business, not really going through uh, what it takes a few the few years to build a, an actual business. Business that makes and actual money. Yeah. 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 And I've been in love with the the whole idea of raising funds and scaling and, and blah, blah, blah. But before scaling, just build your business. Because that shit doesn't get you on TechCrunch, Sophie. That's the problem. You know, if you don't raise, you know, if you don't raise capital, you're not on, yeah. you know, the, the, the big media sites. I think that's the issue. Nobody talks about the bootstrapped companies, you know, unfortunately. No. Unfortunately, because this is real entrepreneurship, the being on TechCrunch is, is, is fantastic, but for sure. But uh, what is the business you're building first? Yeah. You know your business or, or do you have a concept of a business that, that someone else is actually going to direct for you? Because your investors are going to make the call. They're going to make mm -hmm. the decision. You're not going to make any decision. And it's the golden not yours. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I'd say... Uh, and. Uh, I, I think it's going to change uh, uh, a lot, <laughs> and we're we're back to uh, you know good common sense in 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 many many areas of life, not just entrepreneurship. But I would say to a, a girl who wants to start a business, uh, check your check your heart, check if if it's for the right reasons. Uh, because you're on, you're in for something that is that is fantastic that's that's exhilarating but it's not for everyone it's definitely not for everyone uh, you 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 interview enough entrepreneurs and, and you know enough entrepreneurs to know that um, you have to be able to have that grit and that that um, I guess that that toughness inside that uh, you can overcome people telling you that your idea is shit that you don't know what you're doing, uh, that um, you can overcome the fact of not making any money for months and months and months before or, and actually putting money into the business because that's the, tr the, the real entrepreneurship, the, the truth of entrepreneurship. Um, you have to be willing to completely fail. It's tough. Mm. It's tough. And, and, and you never really know until you know because look look at what's going on right now you have 10 years 50 years businesses that are going to be wiped out 100 years businesses that are going to be wiped out and it's not necessarily the the fault of any anyone it's it's an external factor um how do you handle that how, how can you handle that mm, so can all you the questions are you can't really answer those questions when you start a business but you know that you know that this idea behind that business is so strong that, that you are willing to take that, that risk. Mm. What, what would you say, apart from your book, Game Changers, the one other book that really impacted your life the most? <laughs> uh, I, I, I read a lot, but uh, it's, it's, um, 
it's a book that that Scott gave me when uh, when uh, we started dating, and I, I didn't I wasn't familiar with Ayn Rand in in oh, France because yeah. she has she had never really crossed the pond, but uh, it's Atlas Shrugged. And uh, it's it's a teenager, it's a teenager book in a way because it's very it's very it's a it's a world of idea and and nowadays I I look at some of of the way she approached things I I don't necessarily agree but it did have a, a huge impact on me this this high this concept of doers of makers of mm. uh, yeah it it had a, a, a an absolute impact on me very amazing. Well, thank you so much. This is, uh, I, I knew, I knew this conversation was going to be like good. I, I, I didn't think it was going to be amazing. So, um, uh, for the right <laughs> reasons, obviously, you know, so, so it's like, uh, really, really enjoyed this, this podcast and, and I knew deep down that it was going to yeah. be something very insightful. So thank you. Thanks for sharing the journey and just kind of thank being you. open about your experience. I appreciate that. Thank you for inviting me. And, uh, hopefully I can, I can come back and tell you all about Eve. If you found this podcast useful, make sure to share it out with your community. And if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the podcast. I'll see you next time.